You're listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API. Now from the Nowcast Network Studios, here's Mike. Hey, welcome to the Audio Nowcast. My name is Mike Rodriguez, and before we get going, let me introduce the guys. Over here on my right, we've got Mr. Bobby Osinski. Bobby. Hey, Mike. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey. Hey, Come on, we get all here. Next to him, we've got Mr. Scott Gershon. Hello, Mike. (laughs) And joining us today in person... Oh, the one and only Mr. Bobby Summerfield. I suppose I should say good day, Mike. Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> so good to see you. Hey, good to see you, my mate. Thank Next you. Next we've got Brandon Birdside. What's Brandon. up, Mike? What's happening? And finally, over here to my left, the one and only Mr. I have not missed 160 shows. Not even one. <laughs> Rob Arbiter. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Somebody poke him. I know. It's, <laughs> it's me. I'm not on He's Skype. Done. <laughs> I'm actually here. I am not on Skype. He's not a hologram either. No. Uh, You're in the flesh. And today we are, first of all, guys, this is show 160. It's our nine year anniversary. Woo-hoo! Nine years. And on our nine year uh, show, we have. Two guests. We are privileged to have two guests. One of them is uh, Debbie Gonzalez, who's a producer in business development and works with Scott. Debbie, it's good to have you here. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. And um, also we have uh, Mr. Yal Dooley, who's a re-recording mixer who works with me, who's a fantastic talent and uh, really makes me look a lot better than I really am. Oh, <laughs> good to be here, though. Thank you. Um, and he's a magician. <laughs> yeah. Um, Yal has a really – I want him to come on and later on we'll talk a little bit with him. But he – right now um, his movie Spring is on iTunes. You see it on Amazon all over the place. It's usually the feature independent. Um, he makes that. And it's a really great story. You know, He hooked up with some directors and you did a couple films before Spring, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then as they got better films, you know, he kind of rose with them. And, it, and it's really you – know, it's a great story of how to, how to um, network and you find that you – know, f- everybody finds – each other and everybody kind of goes up together and it's we've always told the story of that's how you're supposed to do it it's nice to see that it actually worked for <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and what's, what's really cool I'm gonna, I'm gonna gush about him really quick he was in the coast guard right yeah this, his, it has a great story he's in the coast guard four years comes out wants to do something wanted to get into audio mm-hmm. and uh, just tell a little bit about how you got into audio uh i started with music and that was after i got out of the military i went and was an electrician for two years, and I was producing some people. And then I realized I didn't want to keep going without actually knowing how to do what I was doing. I felt like I was always faking it every time and phoning it in. So I went to school at a recording school, and that's where I learned that I actually didn't want to do music. I wanted to do posts. Yeah. Uh, and I started a small studio, Studio City. Yeah. And he, he dug in and worked his way up and learned. And this guy's an information sponge. And, uh, you know... <laughs> Next thing you know it, boom, he's mixing bigger and bigger things than you see a film he did on iTunes, which is really cool. I mean, I think that's the blueprint that you need to have to make it. And and he eats, drinks, and sleeps audio. He has a, you know, he'll work with me for hours over at the studio, and then he'll go home and do another four or five hours on his own, which I tell people, if you want to do audio, that's what you got to do. It's You got to have that passion. And um, I... I <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm Thank gonna, you. There's a lot of, a lot of steam blowing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. But my favorite thing is is he's so he, he's really technical. Yeah, I love the fact that you really are into it. And the one thing that he he says is, 
I don't want to be that guy, but I was <laughs> <laughs> like, oh no. Okay, what did I do the wrong? Disclaimer, right? <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so we'll talk to y'all later on. But yeah, it's just great to see a really um, successful mixer do you know climbing oh. his way up that way. So. Thank you for joining us, y'all. Thank you for having me. Um, but we're going to talk about a couple things. You know, guys, this is our nine-year um, our nine-year anniversary. I've told this story on the podcast before. Um, we started <laughs> basically it, it, the podcast started with dinners with Rob at the Nam Show, and be Rob and Larry, myself, and sometimes Scott, and they would all join. And we, I only thought we were going to do four podcasts. You know, I was thinking, well, what, what can we do? Four podcasts. And nine years later, and I look at 160. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. As I look through all the time, and as I was listening to some of the stuff back in the day, I want to start off with kind of a little um, look back, but from a really different angle. Um, I remember when we first started, we were talking a little bit about studios and gear and things were happening, and, and Martin was putting together his studio. And I remember how we bought all that gear. And we, you know, we went to a place, we went into Guitar Center, bought everything, or RSPE, those type of places. Everything and, audio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you, and you had, you know, you had, you actually had electronic stores where you could. Goodman's. Yeah, Goodman's, all those stores. You know, there's places you could shop around. Yeah, I'm just, that. I'm looking at today's landscape, and we just put together a system for Martin. He just bought his whole thing. Literally everything was done online. We bought, we, we shopped at a bunch of different places online. It all showed up, you know. Um, we got great service. We got great prices. And I'm just amazed that the tide is turning that much. You see Goodman's. You see all these places that are you know, no longer with us or not what they used to be. And, and you see, like Nadine's. Anybody yeah. shopped at Nadine's yeah, back sure. in the day? That was, that was – or, you know, Coast, Coast Recorders, you know. Yeah. That was, that, that's where you went to see the old gear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, back in the day when we said old gear, we <laughs> – <laughs> it's got round knobs that are like six inches big. You know? <laughs> and you know, Guitar Center is—they're hurting right now. I mean, they're not going to say they're hurting, but I, you know, I know some people that work there, and, and they've—they can't discount that they used to, uh, like they used to. They—it's um, a brand new management. I think their CEO came from like a grocery store or something. You yeah, know? but the CEO came in specifically. Because he's a, a bankruptcy artist. Yeah, no, I know. And, and he came in to eventually wind them down. They're going to let it go. I read an article that the Guitar Center, since it's, it's owned by Bain, right? It's uh, well, it the, no, no, you no. see, it, it was. It was. Bain, Bain came in, and Bain Capital, which our friend uh, Mitt Romney <laughs> used to own anyway, uh, and they came in and they bought it. And they bought it at the peak of the market with the idea that they're going to roll it out to Europe and then found out it wasn't as easy to do that as they thought and they couldn't do it. So then the market crashed, everything crashed, and they had this huge loan payment, $750 million that they couldn't pay and they kept on pushing it off, pushing it off, pushing it off, pushing it off. Finally, they couldn't push it off any longer. So they brought in a partner who eventually took it over because Bain couldn't pay anymore. So what happened is they basically said, okay, now we're going to be the management partner. This is Aries Management. That's who has it right now. And basically, they're so far in debt, they're they're over a billion dollars in debt. 
And, of course, our market can't sustain that. So what's going to happen eventually is they're going to have to spin that off, spin stores off. They're going to have to do whatever they can. They already got rid of Musician's Friend. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot to happen that we're going to see before our eyes with Guitar it, Center. You know, which is, you know, uh, it's kind of sad because Guitar Center is actually – was responsible for me getting my first keyboard gig because that's where I used to play all the keyboards and stuff like that. But having said that, um, you know, essentially what they since they've stopped getting deals, they've really kind of handcuffed their salespeople from establishing relationships because there's now no reason to go to that guy that used to take care of you. I don't know. I just wanted to open it up. And what do you guys think? Do you guys miss that kind of that kind of? Um, Interaction with the sales guy? Or are you guys happy with uh, just looking online and getting it through? You know Amazon? what? I'll, I'll tell you because I'm dealing with it right now, and that is, you know, there's three companies in LA that I really like a lot that I do a lot of work with: uh, Westlake Audio, uh, AID for the Super High End Pro, and Vintage King. And what's great is, like, um, I wanted some speakers. I uh, Vintage King lent them to me. They brought them over. They set them up, and I played them. Uh, I've been check. I just checked out this whole week an S3, which Westlake gave me, and they said, "Here, try it out, see what you like." So, what's great is that these people will service you, and I'll pay a little more money right. because I like the ability, to- and they also give me a great price. So, um, so I really appreciate the service because it makes my life easier, and I will support them in every chance I get. That's the right way to go because everybody goes for low prices because they, they sort of uh, glean all the good information from the professional people or Westlake or the lifers at Westlake or the guys that really sell well and know what they're selling and offer a good service. But then they would go on the internet and go and buy the gear because they know it's what they want and they'd order it for 80 bucks less or whatever. And that's a shame and you're, and you're not doing that, which is exactly the right thing. Yeah, to do. And you know, something like, uh, and it has nothing to do with audio, but something happened just this last day. I ordered a little outside fire pit, you know, with a little granite top, right. a little base. Sounds great. And, oh. it, and, and uh, so it, it came in from Colorado, and it was a nice pallet, and it came in, and it was cheap, and it was it was online. And they deliver the pallet, and that lead's about 150 pounds. I can't do it myself. So now I'm trying to find somebody to come on up to my house right. and help me lift the thing. I mean, something It's nice... And I kept thinking, God, I should have bought it from a store. Right. They would have delivered, set it up, yeah. done, easy. You know, there's two ways to look at it. One way is, yes, if you're buying gear, and especially if it's high-end and you want to try it out first, then a dealer is definitely someone that you should know because right. they're, they'll allow you to do that. On the other hand, there's certain gear that you already know what it is you want. You don't have to try it out. Yeah. And the convenience of buying it online and getting it the next day is, yeah, is I mean, pretty, pretty, pretty incredible. Well, next day, I, I did a, an order for Martin. We ordered it in the morning. It was there that evening. Wow. That Even was off Amazon, same day. Yeah. It was crazy. It was crazy. No, you're right, though. There's, there's, there's that whole two-way street. I'll tell you one thing that's really cool that I'm, uh, is the, the way you buy software nowadays. I was in a session. I'm mixing something. And it's just not working. It's not working. It's not working. I literally go in. I, I, it's Surfer EQ, by the way. Um, I go, I remember Surfer EQ. Let me try that. Went, downloaded, got a 15-day demo, put it on my mix. Oh, I'm going to buy this. Bought it right then and there. Boom. It's just like 
as I'm working. That to me was pretty incredible. That the fact mm-hmm. that you can just do it like that. And uh, and by the way, Surfer EQ. Awesome. Oh, yeah. nice. did, I, did I mention that to you when I got it? No. no. You're well back. We, talk, we talked about it. It was like I've got an iPad yeah. site. It was like Surfy Yeah. No, yes. well, I, I saw the demo and I thought it was really cool and I never picked it up because I, I didn't know when I was going to have a use for it. Let me tell you, if you're working dialogue, it is amazing for dialogue. It is amazing for dialogue. It's really good for standing waves if you put up monitor EQ on your, in, your, in your control room and you're not sure what you've got going right. on. Because it's what, what makes it so interesting? Um, well, basically, think of it as like an auto pitch detector for frequency. So you play signal through it, yes. and you put surf on on the center channel, yep. on the center knob, basically. Right. And the frequency would track to what's coming in and go, oh, okay, about there. So if you played a sine wave, it would go, ooh, and it would center about where the center frequency is, and you could press click and store it, and so that the knob will be set to the volume of that frequency. And then you press what looks like a sawtooth, uh, or really a comb. Right. And what it does is it... it, it Attenuates, or depending on whether you turn the gain up or down, it attenuates uh, the notch of the of the the, the, the center frequency of of the point at which you think the, the frequency it stopped at, and all its harmonic harmonics. Wow! And, and reduce volumes up and increase down. So it's pretty really good. Uh, uh, no you've got lag. a mode in a house. No yeah, and no lag. And for instance, for dialogue, I needed to uh, work in the main character. I had really, it was a really closed, chesty and it, sounding. It, it, even with a non-fundamental thing like right. dialogue? Right, so exactly. So I, um, it was really chesty. As a matter of fact, I had Yal come in. I said, let's do this dialogue. I, I could not dig it out. And this is for a primetime series we're working on. And um, and I couldn't dig it out. And I go, listen to this dialogue. And I said, I'm going to try Surfer EQ. So I tried Surfer EQ. And I set a little bump at like you know, 120 to give him a little bit of, because <clears throat> it's a really big character. And I put a little high end, you know, up in the Ks. And, and so I set this curve, the EQ curve, right? So then we, you play the track, and I kid you not, the relationship, it was doing this. It's just moving. It's moving back and forth as it's following whatever. So, so it'll, it'll find the no key idea. point of the fundamental in a, in a real-time yeah. situation. And, and it'll track it, yeah. And it'll track wow. it. For and music, it gets a bit wobbly, but, but it's a dynamic, dynamic sure it's EQ. Great. Yeah, it's, it's dynamic. Super dynamic. It is so amazing. Right. I mean, dynamic. it pops out. I was I was blown away, and I showed Brandon really it too. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It just tracks that dialogue like, it, back and forth, and it's perfect. It's it's, it's amazing. It, it's it's. A, they make another thing called. Well, they make a couple of things. I, yeah. I've got all their stuff. Arv is a guy that does them all. Right. Israeli guy, he's a really smart guy. Um, it's called um, Auto Align for people that do multi mic oh. situations. Yeah. If you you know drum kit or whatever, and you can adjust the phase. But the nice thing is, it's got um, without getting too technical, it's got nine buses behind the scenes. Um, that you can say, my kick drum is 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 the god in my, in my mic, so I want all my other mics of the drum kit to be aligned to the kick drum. So you put the kick drum as bus one, and you make all these other mics be slaved to bus one, and then you press trigger, and it goes through. So and it, it. so then it just aligns up, and then it puts delays on the other mics, or or in time, or in, or time aligns them essentially, and it has options where you can not to go on a tangent, but it. You have the option to put it in or out of phase if you want to. Ah, there you go. Just beautiful. Nice. Just it's a thing. One hundred and fifty bucks. I use that. Um, I did a, a, a drum library called LA Drama Drums, right, as you right. all know. Yeah. Uh, had fifty two tracks of mics, and I, I did that on everything, and it just just went everything. All the single strikes, all the all the all the loops, everything. Just put it all in focus, it's and you switch phenomenal. it off. And it Cause I, I do that a lot of times with guns. I'll have oh, yeah. twenty to Absolutely. thirty tracks yeah. with with guns, and it'd it be, be nice perfect. to go dink. 
synced up. And, and, and the bottom end, you know, as you know, the coupling or phasing is beautiful. Yep. And you, you get uh, cumulative additive comb filtering, essentially. And you can choose with a phase flip to un- undo it. And also it gives you a whole list of different uh, delays. So you, it will give you a point like that or it will give you a point like that. And you can choose and click through. But it will give you the most in-phase point or you can do any other ones that brilliant. Does it actually affect the tracks or is it just an it audio does. plug-in? It is a, it's an audio plug-in and they insist then, of course, for obvious reasons, it has to be at the core or the most the front end of the audio chain. Right. So the top of the hierarchy. The top of the hierarchy of the insert. So um, it will compensate for anything. So anything un- after it, if you do plugins, you can do whatever you want to do with it. So it has to be at the, the beginning of the insert chain. And you put it on as many tracks as you want to align? As many tracks as you want to align. And then they communicate with each other? They do in the background, nine buses. So you can, for example, say, I want the kick drum to be, have the room mics aligned to the kick drum, I want the snare drum to align the overheads, and the toms to be aligned to, you know, whatever. It's clever. I, wow. it, it's amazing. amazing. And I'll tell you, the $150 for that Surfer EQ is 200 bucks. Yep. It's it's if you're doing post, if you're in your bedroom working on a YouTube video for your friends, you need this. It's just going to it's going to make it, it, really it, it's just going to make it pop. I, and obviously a smart guy deserves the money. Buy yeah. it. That's great. That's great. Yeah, it's actually it's actually really reasonable. I mean, you buy it once and you can authorize up to, you know, a couple machines on it. So it's really cool. You can get a torrent for free if you want, but uh, <laughs> You're horrible. Um, Not true. Anyhow, coming back around to uh, how you know how we buy gear and stuff like that. You know, you look at what happened to Sam Ash over these nine years. How Ooh. they were on the rise and, and they kind of lost their way. And then how about you know Manny's music and and uh, you know the whole music row over in New York City. I don't know if you guys. Well, wait a second. Recently. With Manny's, what happened was. The guy behind it, not Manny, but it, right. Henry Henry Goodrich, yeah. he retired. Yeah. And his sons got it. And his sons, as happens in many businesses, his sons were just not as good in business yeah. as the father. Yeah. So that's kind of what happened. They ran into the ground, unfortunately. And I got to say, Dang. Manny's, anybody who's ever done anything, the old Manny's. Oh, that's the best. They, they were fantastic. I can remember once going in and buying a strobe tuner. A con strobe tuner, way, way back in the day. It was the only thing that you can, the only tuner that you could have, right? And I lived 200 miles away in Pennsylvania, and the thing broke right away. And I brought it back, and Henry got it, and he treated me like a king. He treated me like I was Jimi Hendrix, and I was a kid from the sticks. And I just never forgot that. It's like, I will buy everything from you from now on. Which comes back to why a dealer is so important. If a dealer treats you like that... Absolutely. But knowledgeable, because unfortunately, these days, the guitar centers of the world, they started employing musicians throughout oh, the world. Yeah, yeah, right. Bless them dearly, but they were like, oh, yeah, I'll play they're, guitar, I can sell guitars. Their around. average employee only lasts like 31 days. It's oh. ridiculously short. Yeah. Wait, wait, I, I used to be one of those employees. Uh, well, you used to be back in the, the knowledgeable days. In, in the, in the, well, in the days where I was transferring from records and live stuff to what am I now going to do with my career... To, so I was, you know, kind of broken. Touring wasn't going on. So I said, where am I going to work? And GC was opening up Hawthorne. Yeah. And I opened up their store as yeah. Pro Audio Guy for four months so I could buy some cheap keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I bailed. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, but the, the thing is, is, look, it's great. The, the uh, Amazon and being able to get stuff overnight and get shipped and things like that, that's, it's awesome. I, and, you know, I don't think, it's not like I want the old time back. But I will say that there was something kind of cool about when we used to tour, having the network of stores at certain cities. Oh, you know, go to, you go to New York, you knew the whole 
music area down there. I mean, Rob, you know, with Stevie, you know, we you could get serviced anywhere. You know, you had a connection. You know, Atlanta, there was, you know, a couple of really good stores over in Atlanta. That was always another big hop, you know, and, and Chicago. I mean, there was just some really great places to, to buy some stuff. And we actually, like in the early days of Guitar Center for us, like in the mid-'80s, I mean, we had sales guys uh, like Mike Hightower, who was yeah. awesome, who was there for years and years and years. You know, and it was a real, we felt like we had a real friend there. And, I mean, we would be loyal to him and he'd be loyal to us and we'd get great deals. But um, we knew if we ever had any questions. I mean, it's fine to buy all the stuff and I buy stuff online like everybody else. But it's great until you really have a problem that Google can't solve. <laughs> you know? And in the audio world, there are plenty of those problems. But, you know, what's interesting is we all saw Guitar Center go from one store yeah. across yeah, the street from yeah, where yeah. it was yeah. to where it's at now. And w- it was a, really a Guitar Center. That's what they sold originally. And, and it developed into this monster. And it really was only in the last 10, well, uh, 12 or 13 years that they decided they were going to roll it out big. But up until no, then, it, it, it was awesome a great place. place. Yeah, no, it was good. Guitar Center in San Francisco was a great guitar center. That was that was a that was a place when you were doing the Bay Area, you needed something. Boom, Guitar Center, San Francisco. Well, and as someone who's been a billion dollars in debt, I know what they're going through, and I feel bad. <laughs> but but yeah, you know, I will say uh, on, on a different note. <laughs> you know, I needed to get a uh, like a rolling, you know, the rolling cable, the two prong. The one that you just can't oh, the power cord. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, the toaster you know, cable. Yeah, I went to a power cable that nobody has. And then, you know, so I went to, you know, Guitar Center. I said, you guys have this power cable? And, of course, nobody knew what I was talking about. Right. So I said, screw it. Went online, bought it. Yeah. Next day. No, it. it's it's just interesting how things have changed. And that was one of the things that struck me when I was, you know, listening to some of the early days. It's like these places, you know, Tower Records falls. You know, Guitar Center is going to fall. I'll tell you what, though. Bringing this all back to um, the past nine years the one thing that kind of has replaced a lot of these things is the fact that now if you need to find out how to do something you are a youtube away from getting your information which i think is brilliant youtube is fantastic yeah so times are changing you know we're not going to go back to where we are there's some great things about you know where we are right now and uh, i just found that interesting to see how it's all coming back around And, and really the great thing about youtube isn't so much that you can find anything but you have a person demoing for you, much like back in the day when you used to talk to Yes, somebody. but YouTube is so hit and miss that sometimes <laughs> you can spend a long time before you find some somebody that has good audio, first of all. Well, yeah. you know what I'm about. It's and, amazing yeah. how bad the audio is. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Oh, and, 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 and bad too. demos or just people bang. just don't know what they're talking that's about. true but if you spend the time I cannot tell you how many times especially when you come across some weird error or something you're like oh man I wonder if somebody else has come across this yeah. Yeah. sure but, enough boom somebody else has come I, across it when I was checking out the S3 uh, you look at the plugins and one of the weird things about the S3 is the Q a Q doesn't show up on a splayed out on the plugins so I said well that's got to be a mistake right. so what do I do I start going in and I found a YouTube that goes, oh, you got to press this button and it toggles between frequency and cue. Oh, uh, yeah. You but it's not obvious. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the <laughs> S3. It's not obvious. No. I mean. <laughs> but once you know it, then it becomes uh, very instinctual. We'll have to talk about the S3. I like the S3, but there's some definitely funky things about the S3. Let's that, talk about it. That, um, <clears throat> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Anyhow, so yeah, nine years. A lot of crazy things have happened these last nine years. The other thing that really stuck out is You just, and I had more hair? Yes, we had more hair. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Rob's always been good looking, and he's still good looking. So. On the radio. <laughs> he's got perfect face for radio. Perfect face for radio. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, one of the other things, too, is I remember when we were talking, I was listening to some of the other shows, and we are talking about you know doing production on a laptop. That was like the big deal. Like, ooh, laptop, you know, because we all had these uh, giant computers and stuff. And I had just put together Martin System, and um, we bought this. We spent about fourteen hundred dollars on a on a whisper rack because he put in his Pro Tools system. And when those fans on that on the uh, Power Mac, you know, kicked in, it was sounded like a jet. So you had to get this whisper rack. What's really funny is. We just put in a new Mac Pro. That thing is as silent. It's just, it's just, it's like as silent as a statue. I mean, it's, it's so quiet that I'm redesigning the way I was originally going to um, put the thing together because we don't have to have this giant whisper rack behind us. It's just right there and it's quiet. There's no. Well, what noise. about the card carrying drive area? Is that as quiet? The, right like now, the, the Thunderbolt chassis. The, no, the loudest thing is the. Um, well, the, we don't Expansion use it. It's chassis. all. It's all native. We're using native. We're using, you're not using any cards. Nope, no cards. It's um. How many tracks do you get? Oh, we get a gazillion. I mean, well, we gazillion can, is what hundred. We can. Well, <laughs> yes, this is a studio for, for music. Yes, yes. hundred is a gazillion. Yeah, exactly. This is not thousand track <laughs> Scott Gershon production. <laughs> Bigger is better. That's right. I wouldn't recommend it, but. We can get, you know, I can put, when we did a test, I put 32 Omnispheres on, on tracks, cloned them all the way down, was playing them all at the same time. And the uh, system usage was like 23%, which if you know Omnisphere, that thing is a Yeah, that's a pig. pig. Oh, yeah. It is a pig. It oh, is God. a pig. Yeah, when Scott records, like if someone in a film were to drop a handful of marbles on the floor, he'd have each marble on its own track. <laughs> We know but, this. But, 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 and it sounds great in Atmos, though. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Separate panels. That's right. I've got 64 speaker locations <laughs> right. now, you know. 200 tracks of marble. <laughs> yeah, we have to talk about that, too. I'm doing the, the mix I'm doing right now. I've got 256 voices. I'm probably over 100 tracks. And when I well, first... Finally, finally, Pro Tools 12 now gives us ultimate, etherically... As many uh, buses as you want now. Yeah. What what is Pro Tools twelve, right? Y'all? Pretty much buses. <laughs> yeah, right. That's pretty much it. Right. I'm sorry. I'm still in ten. You know, gotta wait till the facility brings everybody up. But um, yeah, we'll is have it, to talk about that. Uh, just really, does everybody hate Yosemite? What's going on with that? What do they do? Is that is that Windows Seven for the but Mac? See, but see, Ma- <laughs> but Maverick was worse. No, Maverick seems to be better. Than no, me. Mavericks was was better. Yosemite is a dog. It breaks yeah. the volume it, on the just the volume button on my on my PowerBook. I, it doesn't know when I plug in. When I plug into the headphone jack, all of a sudden I can't. And use it looks my, ugly. My I have a funny thing. Steve is gone now. What's happened? Yeah. It used to be Mac always was dead on, reliable, always worked. I haven't had and a problem was... with it. You haven't had a problem with it? No. Really? And, and, and really? That's good yeah. then. What, on a laptop? On a laptop. Wow. Hmm. I'm off pro. I've got a 12 uh, cord. 12 cord and it's not nice. 12 cord, new one? No, old one. Yeah. What I found, I've got an 8 core and it's like. It works! Just slowly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, really quick, before we uh, finish this and go into the break, I, I'll, I'll really quick uh, look back. I'm going to go around the table and the past nine years. Tell me one thing that your surprise has changed over the past nine years. Mine, 
I'll start with you, Bobby O. No, Unless... pass me up, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Go to Rob. Well, we're all just going to say pass me up until it goes around so yeah. we have time to think of something. That's not, that's not an easy thing. to anybody, yeah. what, what, what was that? Just think. What, the last nine years, what's one of the biggest surprises that has happened in audio for you that's developed over the last nine years? Um, I think that nine years ago, pretty much everything that Pro Tools would do that was new and exciting. They Remember, we hadn't been exposed to the icon yet. We hadn't been exposed to a lot of new stuff and I think we would much more sort of hang on what Avid's or Digi's next move was I, f- I don't know who they were at that point but um, I think th- and it's not just them I think that I used to be so wrapped up about what the next technology was going to be uh, from all the different manufacturers and now as time has gone on the technology has basically caught up to the point where you can do anything you can imagine in your mind on any tool that's available now, whether it's Fruity Loops or Pro Tools or Nuendo or Logic or Performer or anything. And I think that was very different nine years ago. Nine years ago, I know I was personally very tied into the next thing that Pro Tools was going to do or the next thing that Cubase was going to do. And they all kind of got to the point where they do everything you could ever want them to do. Uh, you know, and uh, that's the one thing, and you, you hit on that. Let me come at it from a different angle. What seems to be different is now we see evolutionary instead of revolutionary technology. So if you go to an AM show, for instance, it's rare that you see something that everybody's talking about, a new technology you have to have. It's It's, been years. It's it's been been years. years. And what we're seeing is the next version of something, which is a little different. It has another, another feature or something. We're not seeing anything that's groundbreaking. Bobby Summerfield, how about you? I suppose the way record sales completely collapsed and how it, how it sadly, the music industry, unfortunately, has gotten, the music side of it's gotten so, so bad in the pop world. It's become, it's like bottomed out. So I'm hoping that it's, it's done a turnaround. I mean, vinyl records, Bobby Ozinski will speak to better to the numbers, but about 8.5% pop up in vinyl. And I was recently overseas, and most young people I met that knew what I did, about 22, three-year-olds, knew I was a DJ and said, you still got your vinyl? I'm playing vinyl. I'm buying vinyl now. Do you do tracking? What, what turntables do you like? How do you set up your cartridges? I'm going, really? So it's so, so nice. So uh, unfortunately, it, nine years ago, it got, it's, it's, I think it's getting better now, but it, it's, it's amazing how bad it's gotten. It has got to the state of inability to play music anymore. I mean, there's no musicians really making records anymore. Wow. That was the sad thing, I think. Brandon, how about you? Well, this sort of uh, continues the point you made earlier. It's just the – it's a, a pleasant surprise. Is just all the availability of knowledge and resources that we have now, and it's just been such a huge change. It's made a career possible for a guy like me. You know, I didn't go to school for this stuff, but I – Consumed so many online resources, you know, and yeah. books, but lots of online resources as well. So it's wonderful. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I, it, to add on to that, online everything because um, information is online. Whether it's YouTube, I love YouTube. But the other part is, you know, being a sound designer, I eat, live, and breathe plugins because right. that's really the colors that I create. And having, you know, it's, it's the trade shows have changed for me. Because now I don't go to demo anything because I could demo it at any time. Yeah. It's like I'm always living in a trade show, so I can take it, I can demo it, I can. And and the prices for plugins, you know, when Rob and I, when we used to buy outboard gear at tons, and it's like, hey, it's only three thousand bucks. <laughs> it's you know, it's on a sale, <laughs> you know. And now it's like, wow, it's three hundred. Oh, that's kind of expensive. Yeah. You know, 
I would just say also, if you think back to it's a little more than nine years ago, but it's not that long ago when a software update would come out that you found out about because you would read it in a magazine, you would then call a phone number. Yeah. Talk to a person who would then mail you floppy disks, <laughs> which you would wait a week for, and then would install and sit there for three hours. <laughs> listen to and then we'd all call Rob. Bobby's just shown us pictures of old. He's got pictures of the Cubase and stuff. Cubase and DAE 105. If I have to download like a 20 gig update and it takes more than five minutes, I'm I'm like losing my mind with impatience. It's ridiculous. And I, I was thinking of this lately because I'm going through some of my ancient, ancient boxes of software. I mean, I literally have thousands of installers. Wait, can, Rob has so many boxes or had, I think he still has. I still have. That he was able to make an arch over his car <laughs> and drive <laughs> under it. And I'd sit there and go, what's above? He goes, I don't know. Yeah. But it was a perfect arch. The car would fit right in there. <laughs> I could do that just with... Uh, Pro Tools and Cubase install it. (laughs) (laughs) Debbie, what about you? I was going to say music licensing and how it's changed the scope of original music being composed and how so much licensing is being done now and taken so much work away from composers. I think that's been a huge shift in in the part of the industry that I see. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how about you? Nine years ago when you were like in third grade. (laughs) Right. It's only been five years for me. So uh, I would say even just what's what's, um, expected now from clients with sound restoration, with isotope now, Uh, everything's uh, denoised and decrackled and we're drawing frequency bands out on every... Thing, but it used to just be it is what it is, or you ADR it or right. it. Oh, I still say it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's true. Actually, uh, the tools, along with what I mean, it's just amazing what you can do now. What you can pull out, you know, you get to spectral displays, and you get to find a little frequency, and you you can erase it just like oh, that. I mean, uh, yeah. Fab Filter. Yeah, I mean, I start getting mm. into Fab Filter, and I don't even know if I have to listen. I mean, I could I could be sick. My ears could be plugged up and go, oh, look, four hundred hertz. You know, and it's like you just see it. That's you just glance at it really quick, and you go, "Look at the little bump. Bring it down." Yeah, well, it's one of the reasons pop music sounds so sterile now because you you can make everything perfect. Like you can remove every single imperfection, uh, and sometimes the imperfections are cool. And you have people who remove them just because they think that's what you do is you remove imperfections. That's, and that's why it's so refreshing sometimes to hear a record that actually has some of the grit left in it. That's true. Uh, but that's a lot like, of pop music you don't hear that. If you heard. Uh, Come here, sorry. No, really quick, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go. Um, I think for me, the biggest surprise in these past nine years is that Rob is now working on a Macintosh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that would have been hard to predict. That would have been hard to predict. Yeah, right? Absolutely. For the longest time, remember? Right? I mean, hey, where's your Windows phone? Have That's... you still got that? <laughs> I do still have it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't uh, use it, but I do have it. I mean, Rob was the Windows guy... I, from well, a lot of it was because of Stevie, because I had to do all the non-visual stuff. But yes, I was the Windows guy, would, and yes, I have changed. Yeah, and, but you still know Windows, though. You still I deal can't with it. stand Windows. You know what? Windows. Well, actually, the new Windows, Windows Ten. I got a chance to see it at the GDC. <laughs> is it's kind of like we went to eight, and then we kind of veered back. So now it's XP meets eight. Oh. So eight becomes a small portion of it, yeah. Like kind of a like a quick keys little touchpad thing, and then you go, oh look, expl- I mean, you could go in and do what you used to do, and it will be something that we occasionally run in parallels. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rob, what made you change? What made me change? There was a few things that made me change. Actually, 
part of it didn't have anything to do with music because I started getting into software development as as Debbie was saying, composers weren't getting hired as much because I used to, you know, write tons of music for trailers and commercials and all the stuff with great budgets and symphony orchestras, and you know, it all just kind of, you know, got replaced by a library queue for five hundred bucks, and you know, there was just no way to compete with that. Plus, it was no fun. I liked doing the big orchestra stuff and, and bands and everything, but uh, so I started doing software development, and I just really preferred the tools on the Mac. But then also, you know, I was the first Pro Tools for Windows user. Windows NT, back when you really had to be a hmm. just a masochist. I, I, I hear Windows version of Pro Tools is like going up to 8 now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I tried it for a long time, and then when, when Digi decided not to do Pro Tools for Windows anymore, I had started really getting used to Pro Tools, and I had a lot of clients who needed me to have Pro Tools. So I had to get my first Mac, basically, to be able to run Pro Tools. But as time went on, I mean, I just realized the architecture, and now as a software developer and leading a team of software developers... The architecture is just so much more robust. I mean, it's just more reliable. It's just where the cool stuff is. Well, Rob, all I can say is welcome to the family. Well, it's been a while. <laughs> hey, I, have, I have many, many Macs now, and I travel with four of them. So, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm a true believer. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll tell you what. On that note, um, being is that Rob has seen the promised land, um, <laughs> we're going to take a break right now. And when we come back, we're going to continue on talking to, a little bit about um, – little bit the past nine years, but we're also going to talk a little bit about um, we're going to project ahead and, and uh, a few things. So, uh, so don't hit that control alt delete. We'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> no need. We got a blue screen. <laughs> we'll see you on the other side. You're listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and West Wave Audio. Have a question for the panel? Would you like to be a guest on the Audio Nowcast and live in the L.A. area? Email us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back to the Audio Nowcast. And before the break, we were um, basically talking about how Rob was enlightened and is now a Mac user. Yeah, yeah. No, a power user. No, a super power That's user. That's true. He's always been a... I'm still an Amiga man myself. <laughs> hey, I had an Amiga. I had a 1,000, a 3,000. Zen Anyhow. Spectrum. That's what it is. Amiga and Atari, baby. Yeah, hey, it. before we, uh, before we continue, um, one of our good friends who's not here with us right now sent us this little message, and I want to play it for you guys. Hello, Mike. Hello, my fellow Audio Nowcast colleagues, and most importantly, hello to all of you Audio Nowcast listeners. It's Nick here, and unfortunately, I can't make it for our ninth birthday party tonight. But I wanted to say thanks to everyone for such a wonderful time. It is such an honor and such a great time to be on the Audio Nowcast. And I want to say happy birthday to the Audio Nowcast, and I look forward to being around for the next nine birthdays as well. How awesome was that? That was great. Nice to do that. Yeah. You know the weirdest part of that? He's sitting right here. He acts like he doesn't even see us. It's so weird. You know, but Nick, man, he's he was a great he was a great ad. You know, Bobby was a great ad. Nick was a great ad to the to the panel. Brandon was a great ad to the panel. It's just really cool. Brandon's that, been here so long; he doesn't feel like an ad. No, he doesn't. He's like family now. But, like, Andrew Chef keeps coming, but never says anything. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I I, I uh, emailed Andrew um, and. He's, he's in, not around at the moment. He's in England right now. Yeah. He's in the UK. So I even tried to 
tell them there'd be cookies, but no, it didn't work. So, um, but you know, the good thing about the audio nowcast is if you're going to send me an audio file, just expect to get something like this happening. Hello, my fellow audio nowcast colleagues, and most importantly, hello to all of you audio. Dehumanizer. That's dehumanizer. (laughs) (laughs) Terrifying. Uh, I know. It's a great plugin if you need to make scary voices fast. <laughs> Anyhow, um, yeah, so Nick's a great ad, but that's that's one of the great things about the podcast over the nine years. Really great relationships. You know, Bobby Osinski, what an awesome ad this is. And uh, so it's all it's all been kind of fun. Um, we're going to move forward. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about with Debbie. Um, and uh, tell us a little bit about your, your history because you've done some pretty – pretty interesting things working as a producer and as a business developer well uh, I started back in the late 80s uh, working in commercials came out to Los Angeles after graduating from Berkeley College of Music and uh, started producing music for commercials with a producer out here and um, started a a company which became Hum which is now um, on the west side Uh, went through a few versions of the name before it became Hum, but it is now Hum. Um, Left there, freelanced for a while, producing music for commercials, and uh, got asked to do some sound design. Didn't really know anybody who did sound design, so I called my friend Scott Gershon. (laughs) (laughs) Which, by the way, was the very beginning of DMG Media Labs, and if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have had my own company. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, I won't take credit for that, but he was a great sound designer, so <laughs> was able to sell those services and uh, then eventually left and went on to um, a company called Machine Head with a very talented sound designer named Stephen Dewey and uh, became head of production there and worked there for a few years until I decided to marry a, a, a very wonderful musician named Sergio Gonzalez, drummer and had a baby and decided to stay home be a mom for a few years hmm. and got back into the industry about uh, five years ago. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how is it being back in the industry? It's great. I got this opportunity to hook up with, uh, with Scott and get uh, working over at Formosa, and we've been having a good time. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I've been, uh, every time we go to a party, I'd offer a job. I said, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I, I said, though, so then we were at this Christmas party. I said, yeah, I'd offer you a job, but then you can turn me down. And she goes, well, actually. <laughs> like, now's the time. So. That's fantastic. Well, yeah. can I ask you a question? Sure. When you're producing commercials, mm-hmm. did that change from the time you started till the time you stopped? Dramatically. And how? Uh, when in the in the 80s when you'd come I'd come in in the morning and I have no idea what time I was going home that night if I was even going home that night but one day you'd be doing bluegrass the next day you'd be doing a full orchestra it was the it, it was just so much fun you really had to have a depth of knowledge about all of the different genres of music and really be able to have extensive contacts in the industry um, uh, one of my specialties was vocal contracting. I really got to know a lot of the singers in town and spent a lot of time listening to their demo tapes and creating databases and just being able to call them up with keyword searches and really be able to offer um, to producers that I was working with, composers that I was working with, um, you know, here's 10 vocalists that you could use who are great, you know, country singers, here's, you know. Um, so there was a lot of like really great specialties in that, and then 
a lot of people started putting temp tracks up against their commercials and saying, hey, here's five pieces of music that I think work with your spot. You know, what do you think? And they'd say, well, we really like number two. Number two's great. Do something like that. And so you'd create a piece of music that sort of you felt encapsulated or translated that feeling of that track that they picked. And they inevitably would say, it doesn't sound like track number two. We want it to be as we want it to be sound like track number two. It's like, well, it can't because we don't own that piece of music. We'd be stealing that. So you we can create something, but it's not ever going to sound exactly like track number two that you picked. Right. So the people who I don't know who they were originally came up with that idea, but um, if I ever find them, they, I will I'll kick them. <laughs> oh, it just I used to say it just empowered clients to become dumber and dumber and dumber. Right. I mean, it was just a very frustrating right. time. And that exactly that it was extremely frustrating, and I think by the early '90s we were all very frustrated in the temp love, where clients were just you know they'd bring in a piece of music and you felt like you were just walking that very thin margin. And I was luckily and lucky enough to get sued twice for copyright infringement. That's not um, bad for the number of years <laughs> you were doing it. That's pretty good. <laughs> exactly. So um, luckily. I was smart enough to bring in a musicologist early on and, and got some good, you know, um, uh, consulting on that. So the, I never had to really pay through the nose for any of I won the lawsuits. That, to a, the first one, it didn't even go to a suit. It was settled out of court. But um, it, it was a very frustrating time, but still fun to be producing original music and mm-hmm. All the time. Um, and then what Temtrack sort of led the way into licensing. And then, of course, as Pro Tools um, came along and, and people got better editing music, and um, now largely composers are writing two or three minute pieces of music which they're contributing to libraries, and advertising agencies and companies are, are just licensing those pieces of music and editing them up, and it works well for them, and they no longer have to have music that's written to their picture because editing has be- become such a, a huge function. As, as someone that has a lot of experience in this, and especially since you've gone through it being mm-hmm. sued twice, what's your opinion on blurred lines, on the blurred line lawsuit? Yeah. Um... Uh, I like the song (laughs) I I really liked it Um, and you're Marvin Gaye fan too (laughs) yeah I uh, it was it was ripped off I mean what can it definitely I think that the right decision was made it was in the copyright they will overturn it they will overturn it on appeal because if they don't it will be Every, every single music library would be sued tomorrow. But, but exactly. Don't you think it was the feel, though? Oh, yeah, that, absolutely. It yeah. was the feel, I, I think, and, I think and, and you can't copyright feel. You can't copyright a feel, no. Right. But you can copyright, woo! If you, if you sound like Marvin Gaye on the first two bars. Right. With the same kind of chord progression, the same sonic palette, palette right. the same tempo, and you have a stone composer. Uh, the songwriter who just recently said, "Oh, I was so high! I, I love this song when we wrote this and we listened to it." So it's like it's just it's just weird that the lawsuit was actually about the sheep music. That's the part I don't yeah, yeah that's true. I don't get. Yeah. 
Well, if you want some more information on that, Audio Nowcast 158. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <yeah>, true. <laughs> the licensing thing, though, you, you bring up is a, is a great uh, is a great mm-hmm. point. I think I don't know. I I, I write music. I used, to, I used right. to write for jingle companies, mm-hmm. and I, I since about. 14, 15, 16 years ago, got into the library business and started my own library and started running for libraries because I saw that way it was going. Right. Um, and now uh, the software that we talk about making music, right. there's also some great music library management music software out there. Yeah. Soundmine is one of the most common, most really used, right. I suppose uh-huh. everybody uses yeah. it. And, and it's, it's something that a lot of people don't know. A lot of musicians and writers don't yeah. know that that's really how your music gets floated up to the top with these meta tags yeah. and how music soups set up playlists and send them off to people. And that's, yeah. that's really what it is. Yeah, it, it's amazing. But I'll tell you this. There's still, like in the brand work that I do, um, we still get custom music made for the brand work that I do. And it just works so nice with, yeah. Um, yeah. with not only the picture, but when you're in the mix, right? And I can get stems, you know, mm-hmm. because more than I can't tell you how many times I'll have a creative behind me want to lower a percussion or want to lower a keyboard or want to lower something. Right. And, you know, in the library, you don't necessarily have that unless you're with a Bobby Summerfield library. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, um, but it's nice when you have composed music because you have that kind of freedom. Although I will say that we've worked with some composers and it's a 30-second spot and I hate when they give me a 31-second piece of music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like... Beginner mistake, right? Come it's on, time, yes. Come on. on five. Especially the end because you're looking to end the piece, right? And yeah. and it's the and you, you just don't want to fade out. You want to put an end on it and it's like... 31 seconds, you're like... What do you oh. do when that happens? Well, time it depends. Straight. Sometimes I can actually time compress a little bit, uh-huh. but most of the time they, they're they cut to the tempo, right? So it comes to me already edited. So I'll just find a way to make that end work. You yeah, know? Little, but you got you to gotta button it, you know? Or if it... If a little 2-4 four against a 4-4 four four and... Then, well, if I, oh, but if I need to slide over, I mean... It, being a drummer, at least I know I have a sense of beat, so I can I can cut it without it dropping anything. So you just get creative. I mean, just put a big sound design boom at the end and let it weave. And license my one if you don't mind. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm sure you got your head chopped off for being long, like we did in the beginning too. I mean, yeah. when you're starting out as a composer, that's one of the first things you learn about. How important a ring out is and black and, at twenty, black at thirty. That was it. Yeah, that was yeah. It t- yeah. terminology is like. You know what? But that so brings me to what I want to talk about right now. There is definitely, you know, our tools have gotten better, right? Our tools have definitely gotten better. But what's happened to to musicianship? I mean, it just seems like there's, with all the DJ and Music all the... Music concrete. I mean, there's still something valid about learning your craft, learning your instrument. Something valid? It's the most important thing in the entire I, world. Absolutely, but you'd be amazed at how many people don't don't think that way, especially with our, our laptop world that we live in, the DJ world that we live in. You know, But it's the DJ so, world's gotten much easier for it, DJs, so yeah, much easier. It's, and, so, and it's so much fun, though, you, the Dave Getters of the world. I mean, all these guys that do great tracks I don't know if you're hip to these guys I'm sure you guys yeah, are yeah absolutely and, and they really do great great tracks and I love their tracks but it's just like MSG and cheeseburgers it's like yeah I love it it's great <laughs> okay I want to get now let's listen to something but it's yeah. easy sorry yeah. but it's easy but the there's technology some, there's makes some, it you know what, but I don't want to rail on all of them because there's some really good like oh, hybrid of course there's always some there's, talented right, there's people some really that bubble good, to the top but you know what's yeah, weird and I'm not defending it at all because I do like original music stuff but one thing I will say though is 
it's amazing how many, like we do a test for anyone who comes to work for us. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I'm not even trying to see how great the sound is. I'm trying to figure out if they have any feel for the scene. And that's everything in music editing, especially against picture. You can put any kind of music up and it kind of works. But there are some people that may not be great musicians, but boy, do they have a great sensibility of what, how to either be a juxtaposition a scene, how to support a scene, how to make a scene a little funky. Uh, was it Method Doubt? I love on uh, Banshee. There's some really... Oh, Methodic Doubt? Methodic Doubt. Yeah, yeah. Really great stuff. Yeah, they're good. Um, so there's a lot of bands that just go, wow, I would have never thought of that approach to a piece of music. That's really great. And there's some people that are still very, very good at it that are more music editors. But, uh, and, but this is amazing how many people still put out crap even when it's there. It's like you can't even figure out the right song that's true. or the right piece of music mm-hmm. even when you, it's all made. Well, see, that's the thing. With so many audio schools now, that's another thing. The yeah. past nine years, I mean, come on, nine years ago... You had basically full, full sale, sale, you know, and every now, college and community college now has a program. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. But with all these kids coming out of these schools, you got to find your edge to make yourself, you know, pop. And one of the ways to do that is to play an instrument, man. To know music, just to to really know feel. I mean, that's a great thing that you said, Scott, about feel. I cannot tell you how important that is. I'll tell you a good example of feel. Um, we're working on a series right now, and we got a budget to hire a Foley guy, and um, and Yal actually was one of his friends, and this guy has a great feel for Foley. I mean, it just the textures are right, it, it fits, it's correct, and it's it's not. It's not an easy show that we're doing, and, and I was really general in a lot of the directions, and it came back, and it just felt good. And as soon as I put it up against uh, y'all sound effects, it was just, boom, they just worked really well. And it, it's what you're talking about. It's about yeah, feel. Having I, a, a I'm a Foley of- fanatic, and it's weird um, when I do scenes, because I'll, I'll describe it, and, and even musicians look at me like, what? But it's kind of like a drummer or, a, or any kind of instrument player. They can play the notes exactly right. And has no feel. Something about... So when you do footsteps and, and, and when you're in Foley and somebody's hesitant or scared, their feet sound totally different. Yeah. And you could just... If, if you closed your eyes and heard them walk, you'd know exactly what's going on. And it's weird in how that there's a psychological component. So when a Foley artist does an amazing performance, and it is a performance, it's dead on. But again, I'd say that it's a small percentage that I believe that do that. Well, it's all part of the whole craft thing. It's all, you know, I just think a lot of times because our tools are so easy to use because it's so easy to, to get a loop. It's so easy to get an appreciation. It's so easy to sync things up that a lot of people spend a lot of time doing that kind of stuff. And instead of, of focusing on, on really working on their musicianship and working on, on owning the instrument. Brandon, yeah. You know, we're talking about how other parts of the businesses cha- have changed. How about trailer music? Trailer music has definitely changed, even since I've been involved. You know, when I first started, you know, nine years ago or so, it was, you know, they were pulling a lot of m- score music. A lot of it was score music, which doesn't have the same feel, like we're talking about, as trailer music. Score, you know, movies are much longer. They unfold. The music's slower, and uh, it's more... Adagio or just slower and spread out. Whereas trailers, it's all got to happen really quick in less than two minutes, in 30 seconds. 
Um, so yeah, the music, you know, one, there's that evolution from score music that first began to happen, and that's when all the music libraries came along. And then, but just even since that started, you know, you had your um, Audio Machine, Pfeiffer Brothers, uh, Two Steps from Hell, these guys who were doing all big, real orchestral stuff, you know, in the beginning. They were hiring real orchestras, real choirs, all that stuff, and it mm-hmm. did sound like film scores. And then <laughs> now it's evolved into, you know, the music... You know, because of the technology, you've got guys like me who can come along and do it all in the box. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's a lot, some amazing sample libraries from East West and others that are out there that you can do. It doesn't sound the same, you know, but it's pretty good. So you've got that change where you're 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 seeing the change from the real deal to these you know virtual instruments and whatnot. And then just the the feel of it, too, has just gotten more aggressive, more punchy. Like, you know, we all see the volume war in regular music, but in trailers, too. It's got to be just aggressive. It's got to cut through the mix. And so it's becoming more, you know, more compressed, more distorted, more compressed or um, crunchy. And you also see it's gone through these evolutions from orchestral, epic, you know, choirs and orchestra stuff to, you know, rock elements got added into it. And then, so you've got some rock elements in that, and then electronic elements. And then, like, dubstep was hot for a few years, so all of a sudden you've got cool, you know, distorted basses and wobbles and stuff happening in trailer music. So it's like, now it's called hybrid music. So it's just like everything in the kitchen sink, which is just a bitch to mix sometimes. But it's just, you know, cram more and more in there. So I'm like, well, what's next? You know, what's going to be the next? You know, hit fad well, 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 there's a question for everybody, then. Yeah. Is library music more conducive for something short like that than it is for some other commercials, for instance, or, you know, just songs or I would also, or I'll say one thing where music's vibrant, healthy, and you can't use a library, not really, is video games. Mm-hmm. Because there's so much... First of all, it's got to be... has a certain amount of interactive component to it. Not only that, but every game, the competition is so high... And, it, you know, now games are $80 million, $100 million to make one game. They're not, they're going to make a billion dollars on some of these games. They're not going to cheap out and then try to get the music cheap because it, it, it matters so much. And it's a different way of writing because it's it got, is. you know, it's not linear. You've got to compose in a different way that evolves. Actually, though, and I've, I've done a game and I've, I, have, I do libraries and I do trailer music. And, and what I noticed with the game specifically was it's very much like doing library music. Believe it or not, it's you sectional. Know, absolutely, yes. Because it's a computer's going to decide what next bit of music comes. It's, it's the old sequence you step with patterns. Basically, and you chain patterns together, and then, you know, it's... I, I'll tell you one it's thing. It's interesting. It's very yeah. interesting. In reference to what, the question you asked, Bobby, about library music, um, what's great about library music is the pace of production nowadays is so blistering fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is so blistering fast. You just don't have time sometimes to work with a composer. You need to get it out, and you need to get it out now. It's not uncommon for um, where I work for them to get a request on a Thursday, and they need it by the end of the day of Friday. The only way that's going to work is is library music. Kind oh, of you're thing. not you're not kidding, Mike. Like we sometimes we still do have composers come in. Like if we're working on a big, you know, Marvel superhero movie, you know, the, the like we want, you know, to go to the libraries. We'll reach out to all the best guys, but say, you know, we want something new. We don't want something from one of your collections that everybody's heard. You know, we want something brand new. So we'll throw that out to ten different libraries, and they'll all go compose. But then you're right. 
when there's changes, they're like, oh, we like this. Those changes have to happen, you know, within hours yeah. or overnight, you know, and it's yeah. just the turnaround is so incredibly fast. I'll, t- I'll tell you one other thing about um, the changes in, in trailers and trailer music. Um, when I first started, I've mixed a couple trailers. You know, we're talking nine years ago, but even farther than that, you know, 11, 12 years ago, you heard a ton of voiceover. When's the last time you heard a voiceover on a big movie? Mm. Is they you just can't hear it under the music. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, well, it you know cheapens why? it. It cheapens it. Well, you know why? Because I, I actually was in on a psychological discussion. It was at, at Sony in the marketing department at one point about that. Because for the longest time, it was always, you know, Don LaFontaine or one of those big boys. Yeah. In a world. In a world. Yeah. Well, <laughs> then the joke was always there was two kinds of jobs. There was... In a world, which was basically every action movie, and then every romantic comedy was he's a, yeah. she's a, <laughs> together there. Uh, you forget, you forget this summer. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, what what these people at Sony were saying, and this was a very interesting observation, is they needed to get away from that voice because after many years, the American public was saying, you know what. I recognize that voice. That voice has lied to me before. That voice has told me to go see a movie that sucked uh, over and over again. Ooh. So I don't want to hear that voice anymore because that voice lies. To that's me. our job, and that's one of the reasons the voice went away. No, you know what? That's interesting. And I'll tell you something else about trailers that have that's changed. Um, when I first mixed a couple trailers back in the day, there was, I would say, sound effects that were kind of thrown away. They were there, but they were a little, little just not important sounds um, usually got covered up by like the VO um, but nowadays every single sound matters I mean I, I go to I, Brandon you know he did uh, uh, Mad Max I mean those those awesome sound effects I mean you spend time and you spend a lot just just the hits I mean everything is constructed everything every little tone matters and you don't hear a lot of wasted audio in uh, in trailers anymore especially for blockbusters right I mean oh, yeah. it's just wall to wall you know yeah. constant stuff but then you have and I think we've talked about this before sometimes you do the opposite sometimes you have a moment of silence or you yeah. know you do counterpoint you have a you know very little like with the uh, with the last uh, Dark Knight movie um, we had it was just a really, you know, subtle orchestral, you know, gradually building long crescendo type of score and very little sound design, subdued, you know, low-pass filters on stuff. And it, it works. It's great. You bring out the emotion. But, yes, there's a lot of just wall-to-wall sounds. <laughs> but you, you, you made a comment, though, about the clients, about the schedules and the clients. And one thing I've noticed, and I've heard especially from some of the old-time filmmakers, is that it used to be in the day... You never had an opportunity to hear things together until the end. Whether you were a picture cutter or a sound cutter or even a composer. And I think a lot of times, or even a director who has to figure out how the shots come together. So people had to organize their thoughts in their head, figure out what they're going to do before they do it. And that's where you had all these talented people, whether they were composers, filmmakers, whatever, that constructed in their head and knew exactly how to get to where they wanted to go. In this day of age now, nobody's spending the time to actually think about it. What they do is give me a whole bunch of options, let me hear it, and we'll keep doing it until I hear something I like. You run out of time. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then it's good enough, rather than really people that are pros that are just, they just know exactly where they're going. 
totally. Mm-hmm. And bringing it back to music, too. Mike, we were talking about this the other day. Crazy. Just like the same thing you're saying. Like, think of these old bands in the 70s where you had to pay for, you know, studios were expensive. You know, now everyone, you, you have unlimited time. Back then, you were recording to tape. You had to, you know, it cost a lot of money. So you had to be rehearsed and know your stuff getting in there right. before you even thought about recording. I mean, how many composers write music at a coffee shop without an instrument? Yeah. They're just writing on a piece of sheet music. <laughs> they just know exactly what they're doing. And, you know... Calling the copyists before they finish the coffee. Rob, you were going to say something. Yeah, I mean, maybe this is a flaw in my personality, among many, but uh, (laughs) when I think back, I mean, because in the 90s, I did a ton of library music for ABC and NBC and CBS, and Bobby and I were actually in competition at that point. Uh, (laughs) Until they introduced us, and then that really... Until they introduced us. We liked each other. We said, hey, he's my buddy. (laughs) Yeah, but they would always play one off against the other. Like, oh, you're going to charge us X? Well, Bobby was going to do it for Y. And then they'd do the same thing against us with until him. one day we said did you say you know, join companies <laughs> go be the one you know well yeah it kind of worked out that way but so anyway I did do a bunch of library music I mean we still have hundreds of cues in ABC's library and we still get those little ASCAP checks which are very nice but that was sort of in the 90s and then when I transitioned to trailers um, everything was scored to picture and once I got a taste of really scoring the picture, I really had a hard time going back to libraries. Like the idea of doing a big orchestral cue that's going to sit in a library and I don't know when it's going to be used versus, I mean, the biggest buzz was during the Godzilla days because we got a chance to do things huge. But for Charlie's Angels and Spider-Man and all the big Sony movies of that era, we were using 80 to 100 piece symphonies. And I knew as I was writing the music, that I was going to end up seeing a symphony orchestra play it under a giant screen, and it was going to be this whole big moment. As soon as the budget started to collapse, because it was very expensive to do that kind of music, when the budget started to go down because producers had other options, and I had the option to do library music, I just could not get myself excited about it. Even if it would have been the same orchestra and everything, it's like, the buzz came from seeing the music married to the picture, and I had written every 16th note was tied to a frame of film. And it was the funny part is, I still see trailers now that are still referencing music from the era when I was doing it, and not just my music. I mean, there's definitely people still ripping off Godzilla. That has not stopped since 1998 when we did that. But all of Hans Zimmer's stuff back then that was used for trailer cues and all the John Williams stuff back then, you still see people referencing that same kind of music, but they're having to do it by editing instead of composing. There is no replacement for that feeling of composing to the picture and having it performed that way. And there was still editing that would go on because there would be picture changes even after we'd record, which nothing you can do about that. But I just, as a composer, I had a really hard time switching from what I was doing to the library mode. And I'm, I know there were other composers, too, who sort of got out of the business um, because of that. It's just I, a very different vibe. I just finished, um, actually, in the middle of just delivering five new CDs for my... It's called Trailer Trash, my, my music libraries. And uh, one of them, and I've done it before, the exact same problem, you're right. Writing in a vacuum is a bit is a vacuum. And I, what I do is I, I rip videos off of off and put on my new Oh, and just score them? And I just yeah. I switch off the thing and I just score and I just see the movement and I go, oh, this tempo feels pretty good. So 128 is pretty good and I'll, I'll hit that and I'll hit that and I go, okay, now switch that off and I have a pretty good... I don't copy the music at all, but I, I get the vibe of it. And it's really yeah, cool. And then the, I just the picture it. inspires you. I totally Absolutely. get that. That's and you just cool. get nice hits and stuff like that. And for us, I mean, for all of us, we, we need something to shoot us up the butt now and again to give us... My problem is fun. A client who wants to pay twenty five thousand dollars an hour to have an orchestra play that stuff. That's, no, no, but that's I mean, the problem. <laughs> those days, does it. Yeah, know. those days are so long gone. <laughs> you know, as as everything's kind of evolved and as the times. That's evolved, the union rate, by the way. That's not me. 
Isn't there actually. some? That was the. Is this a poor country that the orchestra that works for like ten cents? You know. Oh yeah, they do have them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Not that cheap, but a lot cheaper. A lot cheaper. You know, as we as we. Talking about you know all the changes that have happened and, and looking back and looking forward, it, it seems to me the one thing that that really is consistent though is that um, if you work hard and you really dedicate yourself to your craft, that's going to always keep you moving forward. Whether you know, and, and I know everybody's sitting around here, you know, we all have our careers, but none of us are sitting back. You know, we're always learning, always, always going to the next one. One of the reasons why I wanted to bring Yah here is because he has a really good ethic. And really quick, I know I glazed over it, but I wanted to talk about how you met up with the directors that you were working with, and and how that kind of evolved into Mix and Spring. Uh, it started with me working at Media City Sound, which was still a studio in Studio City right now, but um, I wanted to grab the reins early, so I started mixing projects that I would find off of Craigslist, basically. Uh, and uh, I was basically told by some mixers there that, hey, if you want to start doing this, start doing it now. There's no reason to wait and work your way up the chain. You can start learning right now how to do this so you can be better. So I started taking a lot of... Um, jobs for free just to sort of get my hands on stuff and that started with short films which turned out to be uh, i worked on a film called am with justin benson who was one of the directors for spring and um then i did a uh he told me that there was a short film coming or there was a uh, i'm sorry a feature film coming called resolution and i said oh okay well i'm interested and then um he brought in this guy that he had talked to me about named uh, aaron moorhead and they had worked together and um, so then we did. They did resolution together, which was my first real feature. I would say from start to finish, and then having editors on it and sort of supervising that and sound designing. And then um, it went to Tribeca, it, and the, from Tribeca came Spring. And spring, there's more stuff in the you know coming down the pipes. Yeah, Spring is actually really well reviewed. It's a great movie, and it's just I mean that's. That's the format, you know. That's you know, y'all. You know, he's really dedicated, and and um, I tell you, it's so funny because I see him bring his drive, and he's always was <laughs> editing and stuff like that, and it's just, it was, it's awesome. But I just think as we're reflecting on what's happened in the past, it's great to see mixers coming up, and and I think that's the blueprint for moving on to the future. I think you know, if you're going to make it in this business, you you got to have to. You know, as Rob has talked about, establish that relationship, establish that network. Well, it's all about the relationship. During the heyday of the trailers when I was doing it, the producer I was working for is someone I had done some very low-budget projects for when she was a copywriter, doing some like little syndicated stuff, very small stuff. Her career blew up to being one of the captains of the industry, basically, and she took us with her. It's about those relationships at any point in the game. Yeah, I mean, and you you hook on, and everybody's coming up at the same time. You're all learning. It's just really exciting. Now, having said that, before we end this podcast, I love where technology is nowadays. I love the fact that there's a little bit of old coming back with, like, sequential circuits. And I love the fact that you have new plugins like Surfer EQ. I love the fact that we have the iPad that can do some serious work on. Nine years ago, if you would have said, hey, you know, you'll be able to do X, you'll be able to have a terabyte drive and throw it in your backpack. I mean, that in and of itself is just, and even then it's like, oh, that's, that's not enough. It's too small. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just amazing. Well, the funny part is nine years ago, Microsoft had already tried to sell you a smartphone and a tablet. And the world just said, no, thank you. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> 
well, anyhow, that's, that, that was a good wrap. We're, I mean, that was a good look back. We're going to wrap this up right now. But um, before we go, I just want to thank everybody here for being on the Audio Nowcast. I mean, nine years, you know, we're starting our 10th year. It's going to be amazing. And um, we'll see. Maybe we'll get a video thing off the ground. <laughs> now, you're you're going to lose people that indefinitely they see us. <laughs> it's kind of like talkie films, yeah. but just the other way around. <laughs> people see each other. Whoa, God. <laughs> Maybe uh, just the camera back off. Here. Maybe Rob will actually ship that DMP7. <laughs> it's still sitting there. Ready to go? <laughs> the Smithsonian. That's, uh, that's when we tried to do a giveaway, like in the first year. and it and That it, wasn't a giveaway. That was a throwaway. <laughs> <laughs> How do we get rid of our old junk? Um, but um, I also want to thank API because they've been the sponsor um, yep. for the podcast. And, API. And they've really supported us. And, and it's it's really a blessing to be uh, sponsored by API because that's like, like it's like getting sponsored by Ferrari if you're like a car podcast. Well, and it's funny because they've been around forever and are super well respected. And yeah. nine years ago, they had been around forever and were really well respected. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, they haven't changed much. No. They, they've got some cool new stuff, but as yeah. a company, they're still super high end. Yeah. yeah, but that's the quality from day one to day. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Larry, day one hundred and sixty. All those guys, they're just they're just awesome. It's great. I love doing the you know some of the work that I've done for them. But really, they've they've kept us alive. And and one thing they've you know by sponsoring the podcast. We haven't. There's been no pressure to to monetize it, and we've been really, you know, been able to. to Where we monetize? <laughs> we, we get paid. No, I, I bug Mike like every week. Have you monetized the podcast yet? Come on. Really? You guys don't get paid? <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know what though? I, I may have to as the downloads because I'm paying bandwidth right now for the downloads. So I'm like. You know what, Brandon? What were you saying? What was that? <laughs> Affiliate marketing. Do it. <laughs> Anyhow, but I also want to thank all the listeners, and and I want to thank you know I know there's been listeners there that have been with us um, from day one, which is great, and I, I want to thank you know all six of them. Yeah, seven. So <laughs> seven listeners. <laughs> but uh, you know all our mums. It's a lucky number. Thank some you. of the ones that uh, still listen every like Vanessa who helped us out get she was you oh, know Vanessa. Did our social media at the yeah. beginning, and we just had a lot of great people that have come in and out. And we've had people, uh, you know, that Bill and Forrest and and Andrew and and people that you know can't make it here, and and Hez, and you know, just a really good group of guys. And and the best thing about this podcast and, and Diego, we can't forget him, and Martin yeah. can't forget him. Martin was going to be here, but he couldn't make it. But he's going to make the next one. That's what he said. Of course, that's what he said last time. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's just, I think the best thing about this podcast, though, really, is just getting to to get around a table with a bunch of friends and just laugh for an hour, hour and 15 minutes, you know? And who knows what's going to happen next week? Who knows what's going to happen down the road? But it's just great that all you guys are here and that all you guys are still here after nine years. All right. Uh, And the fact that you've managed to find interesting things to talk about for nine years is no small feat. (laughs) And you know one of the greatest things you said, what's changed in 10 years? Is that now somebody could be in Austin or somewhere and still be part of the podcast? That's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And yeah, we Rob Rob's uh, streak would have ended a long time, a long time ago. ago if it wasn't for Skype. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, listen, uh, we're going to wrap it up. Before we wrap up, let's uh, I'll just go around and uh, do you have anything you'd talk about that you're working on, Rob? Yeah, actually, the Misses are about to release their new single, which is a song called You Told Me. And I actually sent it off to mastering today. 
which is why I sound a little bit relieved because I've been driving myself <laughs> crazy for the last uh, few weeks, and it was recorded, you know, in Austin and here and mixed in both places, and it's been pretty complicated. But um, it's going to be a big launch, and you'll be hearing it on the radio. You'll be seeing a new music video, and uh, actually, if you go to the Misses dot com, t h e m r s dot com. Uh, I don't know when you're going to post this, but we are either in the middle of a contest or just concluded a contest <laughs> uh, because we're going to do a big uh, release party in New York on April 29th, which is coming up soon or just happened or was way back a long time ago, depending when Mike posts this podcast. <laughs> but so, yeah, the new single is coming out and it's uh, pretty cool. Check it out. Awesome. Yeah, what are you? Uh, what are you doing? Uh, I know what you're. I know what you're doing. You know but. what I'm working on. Uh, you know what I'm working on tonight after I leave the podcast. That's too. Right. Uh, obviously, the ADHD stuff, the animation domination on Fox and uh, FXX, and I'm also doing the sequel to Contracted, uh, which is a zombie movie basically, but it's a lot of fun, a lot of gore. That's pretty cool. much it. Uh, Brandon, how about you? Uh, my music library, Synchronic, just released uh, Destructive Trailer Music. It's finally out after a while of working on that. But uh, myself cool. and uh, five other composers contributed uh, 13 tracks of badass trailer music. So happy oh, that it's done. Awesome. On to volume two. <laughs> Bobby, how about you, brother? It's so good to see you, Bobby. It's lovely to be Seriously. back. Lovely to see you guys, too. Missed you guys. Miss, missed you guys terribly. Um, what's going on with me? Well, I actually, a lot of, lot of strange things, a lot of good things. Um, one good thing is the show I write music for, of, um, again, for the fifth time, I have to buy that tux again uh, for a daytime Emmy this year. So we're going, we're in for it. Hey! If I don't get it this time, I'm not going to go again. <laughs> You're going to get it. Hey! Uh, fun one thing I'm doing is um, a band I produced and mixed many, many years, recorded many years ago, 30 years ago, in fact. When I was in Australia, lived in Australia for three months, the last three months, they contacted me and said, hey, do you want to do a dance remix of this song? And it's Johnny Clegg and Savuka. So I'm now at currently doing a dance remix of a song I recorded 30 years ago, which was a real band. Then. <laughs> wow. And I'm doing it all on a laptop. I'm going, oh, this is pretty silly. Wow. So Wait, technology. You recorded it 30 years ago? What, were you like four? Three. Okay. <laughs> I look good, don't I? <laughs> yeah. So that's, Not really. No, exactly. <laughs> so you'd be in YouTube now. You know, <laughs> so that's what, that's what I'm doing. So it's, it's, it's such a, I've got such a diverse thing going on. And then, as I said, my trailer trash library, I'm uh, releasing for NAB now. We just released five new CDs to, to top it up. So... So wait, right. so you're, you're releasing a library. So once again, you're in competition with a friend over here. Nah. <laughs> Instead yeah. of being robbed, yeah. now it's... <laughs> not, not, a, not at all, not at all. Uh, and then the other thing is I'm doing uh, the, the Audio Bro. I did a, a drum sample library for, for composers called LA Drama Drums. And it's uh, just released nice. about... Uh, it's, it's like all trailer drums and everything. And it's, uh, it's a two libraries in one. It's loops with sequencing and all sorts of complex sequences and a pretty deep sim- uh, um, multi-sample set of orchestral percussion the full orchestral ensemble which is really good nice. too and it's going to have to get that yeah. Yeah. Alex, well, <laughs> give me a call and I'll hell yeah even better brothers yeah. even better um, but anyway so, down around the corner <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll give you the tour on Baker Street <laughs> so that's going really well I said she's really doing very well so awesome. um, that's an interesting thing except for the 
doing the beta testing and the bug reports and all that. <laughs> so that's what I'm up to. So it's a lot of fun. That's great. It's a lot of fun. Um, so Debbie, you're working with with Scott, are you? Yeah. What, is there anything we can talk about? No. <laughs> we can't tell you anything. Yeah, yeah. But we did win the Gang Award for our cinematic work on The Last of Us. Yep. The GDC recently. Did you guys? Cool. You guys did The Last of Us. Okay, you didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great game. It, it is. is. <laughs> that is like, oh my good. See, mm-hmm. look at that. That's Actually, pretty awesome. And Debbie's not saying anything. I'll speak to for your husband. I did a record with Serge many years ago oh. over, uh, I think, a Plus Four Studios. Smoking drummer. Yeah. Sergio Gonzalez. Check him out. I'm sure okay. he's. Yeah, really, really good. Drummer. good. That's awesome. Smoking. Mm-hmm. That's great. I'll say hi for you. So, so, yeah, so <laughs> can you? Well, you know what I can say uh, is, you know, I spent, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, about. Five months ago, I, I did my, my big quest for speakers. Now I'm on my big quest for controllers. So I'm taking the time now to... I think I've watched every YouTube video. SX, S3, combinations, also studio monitors, skillet control surfaces that control plugins. Just uh, uh, I'm trying to look at... You know, it's interesting... Many times we buy gear and we change the way we work based on the gear that we buy. Right. And I've done that for most of my career. But I kind of realize I have a certain way I like to work consistently. So now I'm trying to find gear that's suited to the way I actually like to work. And, and forget about the way it looks, forget about the size, forget whatever it is. I'm just trying to find something that's intuitive to me, but I also have to wear two hats. I'm a designer and I'm a mixer. Right. When I'm a mixer, I have a whole different set of requirements. But... So I'm trying to figure out a whole new work surface uh, thing. I do like the Yukon protocols. So uh, I'm definitely uh, looking to evolve. But there's a lot of things, whether it's real-time controls for plugins. It's really, truly melding on multiple iPads. Um, it's really melding the t- uh, multiple industries. <laughs> I like tactile, but I'm using many, many different solutions. Have you tried the Raven? Yeah. Yes. And 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 you you get a, a, a precise because you basically just keep your arms up in front of you for thirty minutes. And, you know, well, you have to report back. Over I'm not here what you find out because it's interesting. Yeah, it, it, and it is. Yeah. We'll still have to talk about the S3 because I'm I'm curious to see. Um, Bobby O, how about you? Uh, I just finished up mixing a pop album. I'm in pre-production for um, another. Uh, production projects that I'm doing. I'm adding a new module on the the 101 Mixing Tricks coaching course. And I have a couple other coaching courses that are in production right now. So it's a busy time. So is it going to be renamed 102? (laughs) (laughs) 101. Dude. 100 plus. Let's put it. 101 plus. That's awesome. Yeah. How about you, Mike? (laughs) (laughs) Not that I was waiting for that. (laughs) Well, uh, I'm working with y'all. We're working on some uh, primetime series for uh, ADHD, which will be kind of fun. And as soon as those air, we'll talk about that. Um, It's great, though. It's great to be in the middle of a big old project. And and I don't know. Well, Scott, you can relate to this, but when you comp everything together and then you see your session, you know, hundred plus tracks, you're like, at one time you're like, and it. And at the same time, we're like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, but, um, but really, the guys do such a great job prepping it. It's, it comes together really fast and easy. So that's, that's the key, man. And that, that saves 
they make me look way better than I am, like I said. Um, so I'm doing that. And I'm also working with, uh, with Martin, doing a few things that I can't talk about. Um, but boy, if you're a Martin Page fan, let me just tell you, you're going to have a good year. That's all I'm going to say right off the bat. <laughs> He's not here, so I can talk about that. <laughs> um, and then mainly, you know, we're just uh, going to keep chugging along with the podcast. You know, we're, we're going on to our year number 10, and I'm looking forward to... Uh, you know, we have some guests lined up. Um, one thing I do want to say is I know in the last podcast I said I was going to talk about um, uh, the cabling that I got from uh, Larry over at Wild World. But we're going to – I'm going to push that off to another podcast because that's really interesting. Believe it or not, talking about cables can be interesting and we're going to do a little segment on that. It's the most important thing in your studio that you never think about, right? I mean – you just never think about your cables, but really, it is the most important thing in your studio. Um, all right, well, if you have any comments or questions, you can reach us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. That's audio at nowcastnetwork.com. Hey, I got to do a shout out to um, Delbert Hunt, who is actually running the board. He's in the other room. But, Delbert, thank you so much. Hey, Delbert. Hey. He makes sure this whole thing is actually being recorded <laughs> alright well for myself and from all the guys once again thank you so much for listening thank oh and you. Jeremy we gotta give a shout out to Jeremy oh too. yeah Jeremy yeah well I Jeremy, and, Jeremy and Ken you and know, Ken absolutely Kenny Kane he's still around and uh, Ken is actually doing really good he has his own place he's been yeah, mixing right. he did a ton that. of Lifetime movies um, he has uh, yeah he's, he's, he's doing really good Jeremy's doing really good. He's he's working over on the west side, but that he's a hustler. See, Where's he at on the west side? Uh, I don't know. He's working for the that same person, but I'm not really quite sure. Um, okay. We'll talk later. I I'm not going to say anything, but just know he's uh, he's doing well. Good, no but, Jeremy. <laughs> but no, he's a hustler. And like I said, yeah. you know, it's all about hustle. You got to keep going, keep moving. Yeah, you do have to. Just just keep dedicate yourself to that craft. And Colin too. I'm trying to make sure we don't forget. Oh, Colin. Colin. <laughs> Can't forget Colin. Colin. He's, he's a hustler, too. I mean, all these guys, you know, they're all really good. Do we? we I'm sure we forgot somebody. but <laughs> We said Diego. We just I mean, yeah, was that Diego? Yeah. Yeah, we got Forrest. 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 Yeah, we yeah. talked about Forrest. Forrest. Yeah. Forrest and Bill, yeah. Yeah, I think we're covered. Yeah. Nick. If not, we'll apologize. Year 10 will be about apologizing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, once again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and West Wave Audio. The Audio Nowcast is hosted by Mike Rodriguez and uses Aphex's 230 Master Channel Voice Processor. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>